everybody, and welcome to Healthy Living. My guest today is none other than John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods, the co-founder of Whole Foods, and the co-author of this wonderful new book called The Whole Foods Diet, The Life-Saving Plan for Health and Longevity. Thank you so much for being here, John. It's such an honor to talk to you. It's great to talk to you too, right. Chef AJ. Because I've never really talked to you at length. I mean, we saw each other at the McDougal Advanced Study Weekend where you heard me speak. I met you at one of Rip's events. I saw you on the cruise. So I'm so excited to talk about you because who is John Mackey? Because my favorite chapter of the book was the one that was called Change Your Plate, Change Your World. Because I really felt that I got to know a little bit about you. In that chapter, I love that you talked about the concept of ahisma and said that there are very few areas of life where we have the chance to reduce suffering so directly and dramatically as the decision to abstain from consuming animal flesh or other products. And I thought that spoke volumes about who you are as a person. And I, I bet a lot of people, I know, I know they know your name, but I bet they don't know this about you. So tell us a little bit about you and how this came to be, how you became this person that cares so deeply about animals and the environment and, and, and yet running the, the greatest store in the world. Uh, well, that's my personal favorite chapter in the book, Me too. too. Yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, because it's chapter 13, a lot of people don't get to that chapter in the book. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of the vegan community will not read the book because we advocate uh, 100% whole foods, but from a health standpoint, 90% um, to 100% plant-based. And that's very upsetting. We've got wiggle room in here. This doesn't seem... But we make a distinction in the book between what we think the science indicates in terms of the healthiest diet based on the research and the evidence that we have. And certainly 100% plant-based diet is what all three authors are right well all, all three are committed vegans but i just know a lot of the criticisms that i've gotten are clearly from people who didn't read the book right and are just upset about that 10 percent so i oftentimes say you clearly didn't read my book because if you had you'd know where i stand and you would have read chapter 13 if you read the book and mm -hmm. you you'd forgive me perhaps mm -hmm. uh, but so I do make a distinction between, and we, and Matt alone and I make a distinction between what we think science indicates for health and what we think is optimum from an ethical, environmental standpoint. And those aren't necessarily completely synced up. So uh, anyway, there's that. Uh, but in terms of myself, I've, I've been, I was a vegetarian in my early 20s for for a couple of decades, and then I began to uh, slide away from it a little bit. I had fish to my. I got involved with a woman who got me eating fish. Oh. And I know it's, it's a <laughs> those, darn those, thing. Those, those women. <laughs> but then, uh, about uh, 14 years ago now, I I had a uh, an epiphany, and I read a dozen books or so about animal livestock uh, treatment in America and it was instigated by an animal activist named Lauren Ornelius and without retelling that entire story which has been told, it's easy to find that out in the public realm, it's not a big secret. Um, the summer of 2003, about right about now, is when I committed to becoming a, a vegan and I 
been a vegan ever since, an ethical vegan. I always feel like once you become an ethical vegan, then you, uh, you're not likely to backslide. I was not an ethical vegetarian so much as I was sort of a, a hipster vegetarian, which I think a lot of young people today become vegan sort of as a, as a cool thing to do, as a trendy thing, and because they're not grounded in the ethics or the environment as a stance, they oftentimes drift away from it, as I did from my early vegetarianism. So it's still upsetting to many people that don't understand why I can compartmentalize my life to be running a Whole Foods market, which is a, you know, it's, it's an omnivore store. It sells meat and animal foods. And uh, of course, it's, it's also led the way for a lot more plant-based foods as well. And it's hard for people to understand that in business, you ultimately, you set standards up, but you also have to meet people where you find them. And particularly when we started the company, gosh, now 30, my first store was started 39 years ago. And then the first Whole Foods opened 37 years ago. And there just weren't any vegans. I had never met a vegan <laughs> back then. And it was the first store I had safer way was a vegetarian store. And it was, we did, it was very pure. We didn't sell any sugar. We didn't sell any alcohol. We didn't sell, uh, we didn't sell meat. We didn't sell caffeine. Very, very pure and healthy. And it also just did almost no sales. I was just going to say, and it didn't have any customers. <laughs> exactly. And when we decided to merge with another store that, that, sold those things, it was decided that if we were going to be a real grocery store, we needed to sell real foods, but we needed to sell foods that the market really wanted to buy, and that included animal foods and beer and wine, some sugar, and, and the whole foods quality standards that we have today were really formed in those very early days, back in 19, 1980, is when Whole Foods Market opened its first big store. So uh, it bothers other people. To me, it's been the way to fulfill our higher purpose yeah. is we have changed the way America eats. We have done a lot to promote plant-based living, uh, eating, eating real foods and whole foods. And uh, so Whole Foods has made a big difference in the world. And safer way never would have made a big difference. Right, we right. would have been very pure <laughs> and affected almost no one, yeah. which I oftentimes say that in any kind of movement, there's <clears throat> there's two polarities in any kind of movement. I've been part of lots of movements. I've, I've been part of the organic movement. I've been part of the the um, freedom movement. I've been part of the the animal movement. And I'm on the board of directors for the Humane Society. I care deeply about animals. And in every movement, there's there's two polarities. There's the Pure, the Puritans are the purity people, the most idealistic, and then they're the pragmatists. And every movement needs both. And they have a dialectic. The, the most idealistic people, the purest people, make sure that the, that the movement maintains high ideals and strives for the very best that can be achieved. And the pragmatists have to translate that into things that the marketplace or the world that we find it will accept at that time. So the really most effective pragmatist is one who's an idealist who keeps the longer term goals of the movement in their minds, 
but is prepared to make small compromises to move things along. And the Puritans judge and attack the pragmatists as hypocrites and, and, uh, and liars and hoaxes. And I've been attacked for those things pretty much my entire adult life. And yet I'm a pragmatist. I'm an idealistic pragmatist. So uh, you can see in all the different things that I've done in the world that meeting people where they're at and helping to move things along has been my my basic uh, strategy, and I'd say it's pretty effective. Right. And, you know, I agree with you that unless you're an abolitionist, somebody is going to criticize or attack you. I've been vegan for 40 years now, and I'm still not vegan enough for some of the people in the movement. So so I, I get where you're coming from. But I wanted to say I love your store. I appreciate your stores. As somebody that's been traveling for six years, when I accept a job, one of the things I look for is, is there going to be a Whole Foods in that city? Because I will not live in a city where there's not a Whole Foods because just just, just based on your salad bar. I mean, I yes, there are things in the store that I would avoid, and not everything in Whole Foods is whole, or even what I would consider food. But you, I, you, you make food that I can eat, and so I'm so happy. And also, just the whole experience. You know, your employees are always friendly. They're always kind. They're always helpful. It's just a good experience. It's like being with family when you shop at your store. You know about. 15 years ago when I, I became disabled and I was using a service dog and this is way before everybody had a service dog and I remember I used to go to stores like Walmart or the bank and I would be challenged on public access penal code 365.5 never happened at Whole Foods it's like your employees are I, I love your stores I I'm so blessed that I can actually walk to one of them and so so thank you now the name Whole Foods great name you picked the best name possible did you come up with that name yeah, so the story of the name is uh, kind of a good story. Uh, again, the first store was called Safer Way Natural Foods. We play on Safeway, Safer Way. And that was a small, tiny store in Austin. As I said, it was very pure, very, very, very holier than thou, and not very successful. And then when we decided to merge with another natural food store, they were called Clarksville Natural Grocery. They were, they were only about a mile away from us. But we had a good relationship. We were friends. And so it was, let's put these stores together and create a big store. It can be a full-line grocery supermarket. But, of course, neither one of us wanted the other person's name. So we had to come up with a new name. And we did it. We got each word backwards. We started with, well, we're a market. We really like the name market because it's a marketplace. Market seems like a good name. And then what kind of market is it? Well, it's a food market. So we got the foods part. And it's like, well, what kind of foods market is it? And we, we put different modifiers in front of that. Well, it's a healthy foods market. It's a real foods market. It's a natural foods market. It's organic foods market. But ultimately, the word we chose, it's a whole foods market. And uh, we're lucky for us that that name it was a very good brand because we didn't have any brand or we didn't hire anybody to figure it out for us. And it's turned out to be a, uh, it's defined a movement in a way. It's, so it's great. And I love how you talk about, you know, I wasn't going to bring up the, the part that you brought up until the end, because I wanted to tell you everything that I loved about your book. And it's not that I didn't like that, but you're right that before I asked to interview you, one of the reasons I did was because people kept saying, did you see the book? Did you see the book? He's recommending animal products. You're not recommending animal products. You're allowing them. And there's a big difference because none of you 
that wrote the book, you, Dr. Letterman, Dr. Pulley, are telling people that they have to or they need to or they should. So there's a big difference between recommending something and allowing people to do it if that is what they're going to do anyway. So so let, let's make that distinction. So you say that. Thank you. That's correct. Yes. We do not ever in the book recommend right. people eat animal foods. We make it clear that all three authors are 100% right. plant-based and have been for a number of years. We wrote a chapter about the environmental ethical mm -hmm. implications of being 100% plant-based. In fact, we invite people at the end of chapter 13 to join us mm -hmm. in being 100% Absolutely. So, but here's the reality. I mean, Gosh, you know, depending on statistics you look at, some are like 3% of the American population are 100% plant-based or 100% vegan. That's that's up for a lot. It's up from 0% as far as I know when I got started in my business or, or as a statistical reality, it was closer to zero than it was to one. Uh, most people are going to eat animal foods. Yes. And, and that's where we find ourselves. That might not be the case in 50 years or 100 years, but that's where we find ourselves now. And I think people who call for 100% immediate abolition, whereas I can agree with that ethically, and um, it's just simply not possible It's it's at this time. It may be possible later. So if we're going to help people live healthier lives, I have found it's if you give people – it's very hard for most people to think I'm becoming, I'm going to become a vegan and that will keep them from changing their diet and becoming much healthier. If, if that becomes foods that they just are completely unwilling to hundred percent give up. But here's what I discovered, uh, Chef AJ is that, uh, people go through, you have to evolve your taste buds. Mm -hmm. It's hard for people to shift to a whole foods plant-based diet overnight. Some people can do it, but for most people it's a journey. And our palates have to become re-educated so that we come to enjoy the taste of real foods without having sugar, heavy salt, heavy fat, and heavy animal protein. Mm -hmm. And that's a process. So if we get people under 10%, they'll find that their craving for it right. begins to lessen. It's a lot easier to go from 10 to 0 than it is to go from 35% to 0. Sure. So I actually think we're going to make a lot more vegans through this book than the typical yep. strategy is. Yes. Kind of, um, kind of lulling people into, hey, go along with this, get it under 10% and watch what happens to your blood sugar, your weight, your cholesterol, uh, and, and your blood pressure. And those are going to get a lot better. And then it's, I, I just know, I just seen a lot of people do this. Right. Exactly. No, just no, I don't want to disagree with you, but just to play devil's advocate for a minute, because I run a program based on food addiction, and according to Dr. Barnard in his book, Breaking the Food Seduction, meat is one of the most addictive foods. So can people really do 10% is my first question, and and how do we know what 10% is? And the second question is, is, the way I think of it is, we don't, I know that there are no studies yet comparing somebody that eats 10% of their calories from animal products to being 100% vegan. But there's also no studies saying that comparing somebody that smokes one cigarette a day to no cigarettes a day. It's possible that you could smoke one cigarette a day and not get lung cancer, but then should we still allow people to smoke cigarettes? So just, just maybe you can comment on that. Well, I think that's a bad analogy because I think, I think. There are certain drugs, nicotine, heroin, 
cocaine, where we know users, if you use those regularly, you're going to get addicted to them. So it's, it's, I know almost no one who smokes one cigarette a day. Exactly. It's, it's very difficult to do that. And because it tends to, you build tolerance and it escalates. Mm -hmm. I know plenty of people who eat that are flexitarians who eat a little bit of animal foods once or twice a week and uh, seem to be fine that way. So, I mean, I know people who, um, like myself, who drink alcohol and uh, it's not a healthy food. I probably have, I, I have about one, maybe one to two drinks a week. And uh, yeah, I, so alcohol is highly addicting too. So is meat more addicting than alcohol? I, I, I don't think so. Uh, I, I, so there may be some people that you're absolutely right. They've got to go cold turkey or they're never going to throw it off. Mm -hmm. we, we, we're on a continuum, a bell curve. I don't think that's true for most people. It wasn't true in my own life. So mm -hmm. perhaps that's one reason why I'm sympathetic to that sure. point of view. Well, I agree with you, John, that any time we can get people to eat more plants and less animals, we're going in the right direction. So thank you. And as far as taste buds adjusting, you've got lots of delicious recipes in this book. The one that I'm anxious to try first is the garden stuffed potato cacciatore. That's the one that, that really jumped out at me. Well, you're such a great chef. If you like any of our recipes, I'll take that as a very high compliment. I will, I, I will <laughs> let you know. So one of the things I also loved about your book is where you said, don't worry about the minutiae of this or that food should be eat how, how this or that food should be eaten, if you worry about whether you should eat kale raw or cooked, or whether the potato should be baked or boiled, you can find plenty of people online who are passionately discussing one way or the other, just eat whole plant foods. And I, I, I'm so in agreement with you. I'm so tired of this fear-mongering and reductionism about arsenic in rice and balsamic vinegar being crack, and that if we, you know, cook our, use cook our food in a pressure cooker, that is not why people are fat and sick. It's because they're not eating whole plant food. So thank you for saying that. Well, uh, there is a tendency, again, in any kind of movement for people to focus on the differences mm -hmm. and, and make a big deal out of the minutia, the things that are, that are sort of, uh, is it... I mean, you know, McDougal focuses on the starch foods. Furman's going to focus more on eating more vegetables. Uh, Gregor's going to have his own perspective. Colin Campbell has his own perspective. And uh, Esselstyn has his own perspective. So the thing is, they agree on about 99%. Right. But we focus, but on, we fight. focus on the little they things. Fight it's, it's, they it's, fight on the 1% difference. And that's what everybody makes the biggest deal about. It's crazy. Which, so we tried to make this book a synthesis in a way. We, we honored, we called Whole Food he, Foodie Heroes a number of people who, you know, is it a perfect list? Obviously not. No, because so, I'm yeah. not on it. No, I'm just kidding. I was on honorable mention. So You're no. on the honorable mention. I, uh, I was first in honorable mention. That was so kind of you. Thank <laughs> you. Maybe, maybe next book I will get, uh, I will get to the... Uh, I'm pretty convinced I didn't get invited on Dr. Oz. Yeah. <laughs> I, I talked with Dr. Oz because I didn't make him a whole foodie hero, so he wouldn't put me on his show. Oh, that's funny. Uh, that's so <laughs> funny. That is hilarious. So... 
I love where you say one one thing you say is that the most common reason people struggle with the transition to a whole food plant based diet is that they don't eat enough and that you're more likely to fail from eating too little than eating too than eating too much. I couldn't agree more because you really follow not just a whole food plant based diet, but I'm pretty sure pretty close to mine where it's sugar, oil, and salt free, and you understand calorie density, so you have to eat more food. Yes. Well, we probably had this experience where you've gone to a restaurant and it's not a vegan restaurant. So it's like, okay, well, here, I look, I want you to cook me something. Chef comes out, chef's talking to me, what do you want? I said, well, look, I'm very open. I just want to be 100% plant based. I don't want any oil. I don't want any refined grains. I don't want any sugar. Just 100% real food. That almost always ends up being like a plate of steamed vegetables. <laughs> and you'll starve, yeah. And, and if you look at the calories, it's like you know, just giving me a hundred calories. A hundred calories for a big plate of food, right? So, so until you understand those principles that you need to eat, if you're eating real plant foods, you need to be full because uh, you're just not getting enough calories. Particularly if you're not eating, you know, gobs of nuts and seeds. Right. And that's the conversation you and I have had before. And if you're eating just small quantities of nuts and seeds, you're not eating any oil, unless you're eating a lot of starch foods, a lot of beans and, and whole grains and potatoes and sweet potatoes, frankly, you're just not getting enough calories. Right. And I mean, McDougall once told me, he says, well, John, if you, if you don't eat nuts and seeds, you don't eat oils, you're eating nothing but vegetables, you're going to starve to death. And he's right. He's right. He is right. He's absolutely right. You you talked on page 214 about three-stage eating, which is very similar to what I teach, which is you still eating large quantities of food, but you eat the most calorie dilute foods first, which yes. are also the, the most nutrient dense. So we really exactly. are we really are kindred spirits, just so you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course we are. Yeah. So I, I love that. So one of the things I also liked is, and by the way, your co-authors, Matt and Alona, friends of mine, Dr. Letterman and Pool Day, you, there was one point, and I like, that, I like when people disagree, actually, because if everybody agrees, there's nothing to talk about. But there was one point that you disagreed with them on, and I'm not really sure where I stand yet on that subject, which was the supplementation with DHA and EPA. And I, when I saw you at McDougal, I said, why don't you sell purslane? It's the most highest in essential omega-3 fatty acids and you told me you said because you're the only one that would buy it <laughs> that's what you told me well it is about you know we probably tried to sell it and mm -hmm. nobody buys it you right. throw it away sure. and you don't you don't reorder it but uh that was the, matt and alone and i spent more time arguing about dha and epa than we probably did talking about any other subject because we do basically agree on virtually everything. We had some talk about is it how much animal foods to allow in the diet? Is it 7%? Is it 5%? Is it 10%? Obviously, we don't exactly know. And the slippery slope argument is important, which is, well, if people really stuck to 10%, but, you know, are they going to do that? Sure. And do they really? So that's a, so we had to give guidelines of what that actually means in a normal diet. But the DHE EPA is a very good question. And I think if you're if you cut oil out of your diet, it's a lot less important question because you're not going to get too many omega sixes, uh, unless of course you're gobbling down several handfuls a day of of, of almonds mm -hmm. or, or cashews, and you're not eating any flax seeds or, or or whatever. But I just decided when I studied the research, and I have to admit that influenced here by both Furman and uh, 
Gregor, mm -hmm. who do recommend supplementation there, that I just felt like the the risk reward ratio was definitely on the side of taking the supplement. So it it I didn't I saw very little downside risk. Right. I saw quite a deal upside because my father also had a my father died of Alzheimer's disease, and it's like that's one nasty disease. Sure. And uh, I really thought that uh, better safe than sorry on that one. And in general, you can see we don't recommend much supplementation. Right. Basically, uh, B12, and you know that could be it if you get enough sunshine for your D. Sure. And, and clearly you are. So you <laughs> I was just in Mexico. Yeah. Exactly. Well, right. So, you know, I like I said, I, that, I'm not even sure where I stand on that continuum. But like you said, I don't see there's a, if somebody wanted to supplement with that, there's probably not a downside. So also, I think if you I eat a lot of flax mm -hmm. and uh, hemp and chia seeds as well. I mean, I just get those it's gotten a habit of kind of grinding them up and putting them on some of my foods. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've never tested myself to see how well I convert. Interesting. And there, there is a test you can do. Have you ever mm -hmm. done that test? I have done the test, and last time I did it, I was normal because I haven't eaten any fats for almost six years. I'm going to do it again, and if I'm low, I will either add some seeds or I'll consider the supplementation. Yeah, so I need to do that test for myself. In the sure. meantime, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm hedging. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting to know what your results are. So another one of my favorite lines from the book was where you said, never underestimate the body's ability to heal given the right foods and that an individual can often eliminate the risk of most chronic diseases with a healthy diet and lifestyle. Like, why isn't this on the front page of, like, every magazine? Instead of putting I mean, butter in coffee, this should be on the front page of Time magazine. Well, uh... As McDougall says, people never get tired of hearing good things about their bad habits. <laughs> yeah. So people want to be, I always say if you want to write a best-selling diet book, just say, hey, eat all the butter and bacon that you want, and you're going to be, you're going to outlive those vegans for sure. sure. I mean, people don't want to change their diets. They're afraid they're going to give up all pleasure in life if they change their diets. And so they continue to eat food and they look for reassurance mm -hmm. and that's why the best-selling books are the low-carb books and uh, paleo books and everything that allows people to eat lots of, of animal foods and now I lost the thread of uh, the original question oh, it, it wasn't a question I was just commenting that I love that line and that, that that this should be on the front page of Time magazine saying that that, that given the right conditions the body can reduce or eliminate disease eating a whole plant-based diet uh, I mean, think about it. Dean Ornish and Carl Esselstyn, the leading cause of death in the United States remains heart disease. Mm -hmm. And these guys proved no one needs to die from heart disease. Why isn't that, like, completely announced all the time? Right. <laughs> because it's the leading killer. And the great thing is the same diet that reduces heart disease lessens your chance for all types of cancer uh, and, and, and uh autoimmune diseases, and pretty much every chronic disease is lessened by whole foods plant-based diet. That should be front and cover again and again and again, but it's not there because it's not what people want to hear. There's no click-through. Nobody says, oh man, I don't want to be a vegan, and so those, those magazines aren't going to sell well. So that's why. That's why... Mark Bittman can say butter is back and okay. it's a big deal. And if nobody's going to say, you know what, you should eat more collard greens and kale and uh, 
and actually sweet potatoes and and beans, and you're going to be a lot healthier. Yeah. That just there's no market for it. Or there's right. a very small market for it. Not to mention, uh, Chef AJ, there's also strong economic interest oh, here. Well, of course. Yes. You've got you've got these fake studies or these these uh, that are being funded by the dairy industry and, and the Cattlemen's Association and the pork producers and uh, the processed food industries that are basically trying to reassure people that this diet is not killing them. In fact, they need to exercise more right. and or genetics. Or you just need to take the right pills. I mean, I'll tell you a story. My brother-in-law is type 2 diabetic. And I gave him Neil Barnard's book, uh, Dr. Barnard's program to prevent reverse type 2 diabetes. You know, I was, gave it to him as a gift. He, he looked through it, he thumbed through it, and he gave it back to me. He said, I don't want, I don't want this. And I said, well, what do you mean you don't want it? <laughs> I said, this book will cure your diabetes. Yeah. And he said, he said, John, look. I just don't throw this book. It's books. It's just pushing a vegan diet. I'm not going to eat a vegan diet. And I, I said, Greg, what do you mean you're not going to eat? You've got type two diabetes. You know that's a terrible disease. You you can reverse and cure this disease, and you can do it in the last thirty days. He said, my doctor says it's not possible. <sighs> and I said, well, your doctor's wrong. I mean, we we have this program in Whole Foods Market, the Total Health Immersion. We sent thousands of our team members through this program, and. I've seen hundreds of people reverse their type 2 diabetes, so don't tell me it can't be done. He said, John, with all due respect, you're a grocer. He's a doctor. I think he knows a lot more about this than you do. <laughs> and I said, apparently he doesn't. <laughs> but he wouldn't change his diet, and he wouldn't read the book. He was totally closed. So I said, oh, Greg, you know, it's your life. You can do what you want, and uh, I'm sorry you feel that way. How is he now? He's still type 2 diabetic. He's still taking his insulin. Wow. He's still alive, but probably uh, I don't give him a, I don't give him a long term. Uh, eventually, that will catch up. You may be a grocer, but you definitely know more than his doctor. You know, it's funny because my brother died from complications of diabetes, and I remember in 1987 I sent him Dr. McDougall's book. Now my brother was a medical doctor, and I sent him McDougall's book, and he sent it back to me unread with a note saying, "Can't eat carbs; they make me fat." And then I, I, I wanted to say, well, whatever you're reading now is still making you fat, which brings me to the next point. I love the chapter called The Great Grain Robbery, Rethinking the Low-Carb Trend. After your story, that was my favorite chapter, I think, because you said, next time your friend orders that bacon cheeseburger without the bun because carbs make you fat, you'll know that, yes, refined white flour buns probably will make you fat and sick as well, but so will the processed meat burger. Whole carbohydrates, in fact, do quite the opposite. This is such a misconception in the world. We have Dr. Mark Hyman writing books like Eat Fat, Get Thin. Like you say, people want good news about their bad habits. I, I love that chapter. Yeah, I think that this is maybe the single area in nutrition people are most confused about. If people ask me, what are people most confused about healthy eating? I would say they don't make a distinction between sugar and refined carbohydrates yes. and whole food carbohydrates. They don't make a distinction between those simple carbs and the complex carbs, the starches and the sugars, because they think it's all sugar. But yet the starch foods, the whole starch foods are full of fiber. They completely affect the body in a different way. In fact, those are super healthy foods. They completely correlate with longevity and less cancer, less heart disease. 
and yet people throw the baby out with the bathwater here. And this is a terrible, terrible thing, and it's what people are so confused about. And here's the thing. Sugar is really bad for you. It, it's not a healthy food. And science is pretty compelling that that's just a very bad food. And refined grains hit your blood sugar very similarly to how just refined sugar does. Mm -hmm. So um, people make the mistake of then trying to avoid everything. And then if, in order to get enough calories, then you're thrown back on eating more animal protein and more fat. So it's essential that people are going to heal their diseases. They have to begin to eat starch foods, uh, whole food starch foods, as the basis for their calories and their diets. And uh, unfortunately, I just I explain that again and again and again. Mm -hmm. I, people don't get it. It's right. like... Uh, I don't know why. I don't understand why there's this confusion about it. It seems so crystal clear to me. I, one, you know what I've tried to do lately that gets people to understand this? Because people don't understand about oil either, right? So, so I say, look, what is sugar? Sugar is a whole plant food that's stripped away all the fiber, all the nutrients, until there's just pure carbohydrate. And that's what sugar is. Nothing but pure carbohydrate with nothing else with it. And so you understand that that's not a healthy food. Well, what is oil? Oil is a whole plant food. It's stripped away all the fiber, all the nutrients, and all you're left with is pure fat. So neither pure carbohydrate nor pure fat is healthy. Whole foods that have all the fiber, have carbohydrates, have some fats, have some protein, full of nutrients, full of phytochemicals, that's the food you need to be eating, not the pure sugar, not the pure fat. Eat real foods, eat whole foods. But people have no problem eating oil, the pure fat, not understanding that that's damaging their health, but they think the pure carbohydrate is absolutely poison. Yeah. And they're both, they're both not healthy right. foods. Exactly. You know, I, I always thought it would be fun. I know that at one point you were using the nutrient density scale in your store, especially in the produce section. I always thought it would be fun if you had like an anti-nutrient density scale and actually like labeled the sugar and the oil and the meat with, with how deleterious it was, sort of like cigarettes with a warning label because yeah. you could still sell it, but you could just tell your customers that this has a nutrient density of like negative a thousand or something like that. You know, we actually had that serious discussion. We were going to absolutely label every food in the store. Uh, based on kind of its healthiness. And what ended up happening is, is that what, what, what we think would have happened is, is that the media would have gone absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. They would have, the foods that we said were not healthy, that were in our center store, that we gave a labeling to, we would have been blasted all over the media. Whole Foods admits that they're selling all this junk food that's terrible for people's health. And, uh, uh, that type of transparency would have would have would have been a uh, probably all the executives would have been fired, and we the board of directors would have been forced to take that out. So it was such a radical step, right. um, and we weren't we just honestly we just didn't have the courage to risk wrecking our business on sure. that. But um, I'm basically sympathetic to that, and I think it could be done in a in a way, particularly you know, with our merger with Amazon and with the technology that I think will be introduced to our stores, that we can do those kind of ratings but not have it necessarily right on the shelf. 
but where you could scan it, and then we'd have the complete health profile of each food that's being sold. And so that any individual could get it just uh, with their smartphone, taking a quick look at it. So I think that may be the, the solution to your suggestion. Yeah, I, I, I just thought that would be really fun because it's like when a restaurant has their nutritional information available, like McDonald's, which I'd never eat at, you realize, wow, I'm really not going to eat that. So so that's... I, when when that, lit, when that nutritional labeling is completed, it's going to begin to change people. I really think so. I mean, I'm seeing stuff show up at Whole Foods now because we're doing it, even though we don't have to do it until 2018. We're getting it in all our stores now. And the calorie counts on the foods is staggering. Like, you know, one chocolate chip cookie, you oh know, it's a pretty big chocolate chip, it's 400 calories. I could eat a whole pound of potatoes for that same amount of calories. Yes. That's that just crazy. And four or five of those cookies is all you get it's for all you get for a day. Oh, it's all you get for a <laughs> whole day. That is so crazy. You know, so when when people when people have bashed you, you or, or or the store saying, well, he he you know he, again to, to 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 reiterate, he's not recommending ten percent of calories from animal products. He's allowing that in people that that are not going to go all the way. So what I wanted to know is, and, and maybe from your perspective, or Matt and Alona, let's say somebody is already an ethical vegan, would they or you allow ten percent of their calories from vegan junk food? Or do you know what I'm saying? No, of course I do, and and the the truth is we don't recommend that to people. Uh, from a health standpoint, we're actually arguing you should try to eat 100% real foods. Right. Does that mean Matt alone and I never eat any junk food? Well, <laughs> I won't speak for Matt and Alona, but I mean, uh, I mean, every once in a while, I'll be guilty of having a. Uh, uh, I might get some coconut milk ice cream and. Uh, I mean, it's it's all about the lifestyle pattern. Mm -hmm. Not perfection is not. Uh, 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 I don't think I'm at a ten percent. If I was to gauge my percentage, is probably closer to the three percent or less for junk food, just because my palate has evolved. Where I, but if if I'm out at a group and 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 we're you know at a dinner at a vegan restaurant and somebody orders dessert, am I going to have a bite of that? Uh, Peanut butter chocolate bliss at candle seventy nine. Uh, yeah, I'll have a bite of that. Wow, you're human. Feel, you're human. You're human. Wow. I am. I am more than human. Wow. All too human. What's your favorite guilty indulgence at your store? I mean, I'm, you you work at your store, right? Your office is at your Austin store. You're, you're one of my favorites of all your stores. So I'm assuming you eat at your store. I know there's things you sell. You admitted in the book that you would never eat, but like, what's your favorite thing to to grab? Uh that's a good question. Probably, occasionally, I'll get a, a a decaf soy milk dark chocolate mocha. <laughs> That's terrific. What's your best selling item? Just out of curiosity. The best selling item in Whole Foods yeah. Market. Yeah. Uh, in tonnage. Well, just or oh, you mean like unit, unit sold? Or, yeah, either units sold or in 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 uh, revenue. Just just curious. Well, uh, believe it or not, bottled water. Wow. That is, I would never have guessed that. I would have guessed bananas because it's yeah. like, I buy, I love well, your bananas better than other stores. I don't know why. They're just better. You should, and our because our bananas are better, and I'll tell you why. Oh, no, they really are. They taste better. I don't know what it is, but I no other banana tastes as good. Whether I'm getting your organic or conventional, I, I had a banana yesterday. From, I, this, I could tell it wasn't a Whole Foods banana. Your bananas taste better. 
so bananas are the best-selling single produce item. Wow. Uh, so it is a plant food. That's terrific. Absolutely. And produce, when we look at our Instacart uh, delivery items, I mean, produce has got like 90 of the top 100 items that we sell. That's fantastic. So pr produce definitely, uh, definitely rules. And our bananas are better because if you look at our first, the bananas we sell are whole trade, both mm -hmm. the, you know, they're fair trade. They're, they're both the organic and the, the non-organic. And where most of our stores, we sell the, the non-organic bananas are Earth from Earth University mm -hmm. in Costa Rica. They're very close to being organic. They just use a slight bit of pesticide on that particular banana. But the Costa Rican bananas, if you look at them, if you compare the Earth bananas that are non-organic to the organic ones that we're getting from a different country, you'll find that the Earth bananas taste better on the blind taste test because they're just thicker and creamier and richer. So I bet you you were eating a, a Earth banana. It's, so they're delicious. That's all I can tell you. My wife, my, I'm under strict instructions to get only organic produce from my <laughs> wife. <laughs> but, but I do occasionally sneak in the Earth, uh, yeah. the Earth non-organic bananas because they just simply taste better. They're really good. They're, I know. I, I, I love them. So one of the things I hear is, and, and I've even heard this from some of the people that you've made heroes in your book, they call your store Whole Paycheck. And for mm -hmm. me, I don't complain because the quality, the service, the experience, and I, you know, like I say, pay the grocer or pay the doctor. But you say in your book that the poor and working class use meat and dairy products as condiments. And now it's the main dish for every meal, whereas before they couldn't afford to do that. And the people they could were, were fat or obese because it was a status symbol. And that when processed and refined foods and animal products are so cheap and ubiquitous, the former diet of the poor seems more difficult and expensive by comparison because healthier foods like fruits and vegetables are now more expensive than, than ham, you know, cheap hamburgers and processed fare. And it's so true. Well, I've, I've got a lot of thoughts about this, so mm -hmm. indulge me while I talk Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. This is a lot your of different, time. A lot, a lot of different angles. So um, most of that complaint is misguided. Mm -hmm. It's misguided for a few different reasons. The first one is, is that we're spending less money on food in the United States. We spend only 8% of our disposable income on food in the United States. You go back... Oh, 60 years ago, it's closer to 40% of our income was spent on food. If you go back 100 years ago, it was well over 50%. So we're spending a lot less money on food as a percentage of our income than we ever had before. And that's because of the industrialized agricultural system that we have. Animal foods, for example, are far less expensive today than they used to be because of what we do to chickens and what we do to cows. I mean, the type of milk production we get out of cows now due to genetics and due to, and due to, and due to antibiotics and growth hormones, is, it's causing illness for these cows. They're, 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 and the, the amount of chickens that we produce in these, in, these, in these factory farms is astounding. So the whole system is based on horrible cruelty towards animals. Mm -hmm. And then you've got subsidized grains and soybeans that make it easier to feed these industrialized animals because the government's putting part of the bill for it. So the whole system is it's unethical, it's unsustainable, but it is producing very cheap animal foods. Uh, and then you've got the processed foods, which 
which basically have almost no nutrients in them. They've got cheap carbohydrates, mm -hmm. they've got cheap oil, they've got a lot of salt, and they've got refined grains and sugars in them. And, and it's, if you were to measure it based on nutrient density, those type of foods, it, so based on calories, it's cheap. Mm -hmm. Based on actual nutrient density, it's never been more expensive because you're getting calorie density without any nutrients. So it's it's foods that make us sick. And you, you pointed out you're adding, if you have the medical cost and there's no comparison. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But the type of foods people are eating in, in processed foods like chips and potato chips and tortilla chips and burgers and fries, these foods, fry, these don't have any nutrients in them. They're remarkably unhealthy foods. They have a lot of calories. Mm -hmm. So you can get... You can get fat for not spending very much money. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't get healthy without no spending a little bit more money. Absolutely. If you're going to eat non-industrialized animal foods, and uh, then you're, if you're going to buy grass-fed beef or pasture-raised chicken or pasture-raised eggs, you're going to spend more money for that because that's, you're getting into the real cost. But most people aren't willing to spend that much money because they want the industrialized products. Now, if you're plant-based, so my next thought, if you ate like me and you know how to cook, mm -hmm. you actually don't spend that much money. Absolutely. Because, because I'm not buying any animal foods, so I don't have those costs at all. And I, I buy my beans in bulk. I buy my whole grains in bulk. The, the healthy starch foods or the whole starch foods are the basis of my calories. I'm buying vegetable oils. And then you just you buy fruits and vegetables that are in season and you combine that with the healthy starch foods, that's not very expensive. No. Most people don't know how to cook, and they don't have the, they're just not well informed enough to know how to go to the supermarket and buy healthy food and not spend too much money. You know, I actually, My, oh, sorry. I got one final thought. Sure. Well, when the Amazon merger with Whole Foods closes, whole paycheck is going to disappear. I mean, Whole Foods markets can have the scale of Amazon. And we'll be able to take the long-term perspective. And you're going to see our prices go way down. I promise you that Whole Foods is going to get a lot less expensive after the Amazon deal closes. That's amazing. I doubt, I doubt a year from now people will ever say whole paycheck over again because wow. we're, going to be, we're going to be a lot less expensive. Wow. That's, and, and, you know, it, it, I find it's really only if I shop in the prepared food section that I feel it's expensive. You know, I mean, I think your prices on everything else is pretty comparable, you know. You gotta prepare compare our prepared foods what you'd be getting if you go to a restaurant. Absolutely. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not, not complaining. I'm, I'm just saying when I get a salad at Whole Foods, it's twenty dollars. But if I had to, I don't have time to do that at home always, and if I'm traveling, it's I don't complain at all. So I'm not that must be your, a twenty dollar. You're really that's a big salad or you're putting a lot of potatoes in there. No, I just it's always twenty dollars, <laughs> but I it is a big salad, but I, I, I eat a lot. Is there any item, John, that you just absolutely would refuse to sell or have been asked and just it's just beyond your comprehension that you would ever sell a certain type of item or item like oh we, we already don't sell uh, we have we have quality standards that forbid about 150 different items so any cool. items that have these products in them we're not going to sell so we don't sell anything people don't know this but we don't sell anything with artificial flavorings colorings preservatives or sweeteners in it so Fantastic. there is no diet coke in the right. market because we don't sell anything that has aspartame in it or saccharin or 
sucralose. sucralose. We don't we don't permit those products in our stores. We don't we don't sell anything that has hydrogenated oils in it. So we you know we cut all those foods out. So there's there's thousands of foods yeah. that we don't sell Excellent. that meet our standards. I love it, and I love so it, I love what you just said about how it, it, you could get fat very cheaply now. And you said in the book that for the first time in human history, obesity is a bigger health crisis globally than hunger. Most people suffer a disability as a result of consuming excess calories than as a result of consuming too few. Overfed but undernourished, calorie-rich, and nutrient-poor, this is the deadly paradox. It has trapped hundreds of millions of human beings today. In America, 69% of adults are overweight, 36% obese, 17% of kids are obese, and more than 1 million die every year from heart disease, cancer, and more than 15 million are diabetic and pre-diabetic. And I'm sure they're not the ones that are shopping at Whole Foods. Or if they are, they're not buying the right foods. Yeah, right. They're, they're not. They're not <laughs> shopping the perimeters. I don't know if you know. I actually did a Whole Foods tour for the for Dr. Hans Deal, the Complete Health Improvement, uh, and, and I sh I did a Whole Foods shopping tour, and I showed people how to shop and buy the healthiest things. Thank you. We appreciate that. I'll, I'll send uh, you the video. I, I, I have to admit, when I'm shopping, I'm I'm a grocery cart voyeur. I'm looking around to see what people are buying, and I'm, I I kind of want to go over there. Come on, I said. Don't buy that thing. That's not, not really right. It's so funny. It's like I feel like I'm the nutrient police too, John, because when I shop, I can almost look at the cart and then figure out their weight before I look up. It's it's so true. The correlation between animal products and processed food and fruits and vegetables, it's amazing. I mean, I get if you look at my grocery cart, it's almost completely full of nothing but produce and then foods I get in the bulk departments, you know, beans and grains and, and uh, nuts and seeds and that's pretty much it. It's actually, it actually doesn't take me much time to shop because yeah. in my store here in Austin, uh, the bulk department's right next to the uh, it's right next to the produce department, so I can I can cover the whole. It's a big store, eighty thousand square feet, but I I only have to shop about twenty uh, percent of it. That's fantastic. When I first met you a little over seven years ago, it was at an Engine to Immersion in Austin. And I'm not sure people know that you have these programs for your employees. I mean, I would, I, I'm self-employed, but I don't know any other employer. And when people complain, it's like, look what you're doing for your employees. You have these stories in your book where, where you talk about some of them that have lost significant amount of weight and reversed their disease. But was this your idea to do the immersion? And why can't every company do what you're doing for their employees? Well, every company, of course, could do it. It'll right. be interesting to see after the deal with Amazon closes whether or not uh, I'll be able to persuade Amazon to send some of their people through our programs. I'm sure that I will be able to, but we've got to wait till the deal closes to find out. Um, I guess because most companies don't believe they're like everybody else. They're asleep. They don't think diet makes much difference. That people are, they believe that if you want to do a wellness program, it's about people getting people to exercise more. And it's about fitness and not health. And that they don't want to do anything too controversial. So uh, I just, what happened was, is I got to know some of these giants like McDougal and Fernan and, and uh I think I, I think I knew McDougal was doing his 10-day programs, and and uh, I think I was talking to him, and he said, you know, you ought to send some of your employees through my 10-day program. Wow. So then I thought about it. I said, why don't we just do a custom program for? I think so. That was the very first one that we did, and then I thought, well, 
Furman on it, and he'll do do a program. And so we ended up getting four different programs, and we've now sent over four thousand people through those programs. And each costs about four thousand dollars to send a team member through for a one week program, fully medically supervised. But here's the thing. The results are unbelievable. What happens to people in little over a week, or, or at a week, is astounding. You can you you can drop ten pounds of weight if you're obese. You can have your cholesterol drop fifty or sixty points. Your blood pressure drop thirty points. Your blood sugar begin to normalize. You can you can begin to get off your meds if you're diabetic. Um, I mean, I see this because when I travel around and tour our stores, I always, every store I go into, team members come up and hug me and thank me for having something through an emergency, saying, you saved my life. Uh, and this is a win-win-win program. It costs us $4,000 to do that. And part of it's altruism because we just care about the health of our team of our, of our team members. But guess what? We're self-insured. We're paying the health costs for our team members who, who get ill. And how much money do you think the whole company spends on my health insurance or my health care? Zero. Right. I'm about I'm about to turn 64, but I don't I don't generate any health care costs because I don't get sick. Yeah. And I don't have any chronic diseases. So if everybody was as healthy as me, then our health care bill would be zero. So the, if we can get our sickest team members to be restore them to perfect health, well, that's going to be a win for right. the company. Well, we're going to spend less money on health care. So I do think over time, more companies will adopt this because it's demonstrably true that if people will change their diets to eat a whole foods plant-based diet, they're going to reverse chronic diseases and they're going to cost their company a lot less money in healthcare as well as showing up to work healthy and more vitality and more vigor. So it will win out in the long run, but it may take, it's going to take a generation or two First of all, there's so much false information out there. You're continually fighting against wrong-headed ideas that, again, people are more are very eager to believe. Right. So, but I, I will say that our total health immersion has been a huge, huge home run for Whole Foods Market. I look forward to expanding it when we merge with Amazon. Oh, that, that's amazing! I'd love to. I'd love to teach at those because I think they're fantastic. I've been to if, one of if, them. If Amazon goes in for it, then we're going to need a lot more emergence. So wow. we're going to have to recruit well, doctors. So we'll see. That that's terrific. And what I also love about your store is the people seem genuinely happy to be working there. They're always it's just it's it's just such a it's such a, a great store to go into wherever I've been. The health starts here items. I'm having a hard time finding them. I used to be able to find many items in the refrigerated and prepared section that were oil free, sugar free, and low sodium, but I'm having a hard time finding them now. Did they disappear? I think there, some stores are still doing a good job with it, but others have uh, drifted away from it, uh, primarily because we're always getting new chefs who don't know how to cook healthy. Mm -hmm. And because we're not defining clearly what health starts here, most people, many customers don't know what it is. Uh, so this is, I'm very aware of this problem. I'm thinking about reinitiating it, maybe calling it the Whole Foods Diet. Uh, uh, program instead of health starts here and uh, but I'm determined to get those foods back into our store so thank you because uh, because I really enjoyed them and, uh, I, and, and I, I, tra would, I, I travel around I can't if I go into a whole foods and I can't get anything that didn't have oil on it right or, or refined grains then I'm not very happy I, I would so. definitely buy that and and recommend that so uh, last question just for fun I always ask all my guests this 
who has influenced John Mackey most in his life to make you become the maverick you are today? Probably the person that's influenced me the most is myself. Uh, and I mean that in the sense that I've taken responsibility for my own life from a very early age. I decided to follow my heart wherever it took me. I began to self-educate myself. And so, uh, um, so I, I hold myself responsible. But in the spirit of what your question is, that my father no doubt had the biggest influence on me, particularly had an influence on me in business. I started this business and I, you know, I'd never, if you look at my resume, it's dishwasher, busboy, boys camp counselor, CEO, <laughs> Whole Foods Market. I never took any business classes wow. at school. So but my father, so he really mentored me first decade or so. Uh, he really, really taught me a lot. And then there have been certain intellectual people, a philosopher, I studied under the University of Texas when I went to school there. Uh, Bob Solomon had a big influence on me. And then, of course, various friends, probably from a healthy eating standpoint, Colin Campbell, McDougall, Furman, and Gregor have had the biggest influences on me. All the heroes. I love the story in your book where you had dinner with Milton Friedman. That was one of my favorite things, and I wonder if he ever, that was a very cute, very cute story. I won't tell you guys the story. You have to read the book to find out the story of the dinner. So thank you so much, John, for, for taking the time. And guys, this is a great book, not just for the recipes, but for everything in it, including John Mackey's story. It's called The Whole Foods Diet. We'll end with my very favorite line from your book. If someone offered you a pill that had been shown to prevent and reverse heart disease, type 2 diabetes, lower cholesterol and blood pressure, and body weight, and significantly reduce your risk of getting multiple types of cancer, extend your lifespan, and make you look and feel great, would you hesitate to take it? It may not come in a bottle, but a whole foods plant-based diet has been shown to do just that. So thank you so much for your time, for your work, and for your incredible store. Thank you, Chef AJ. We're going to get on the health structure stuff. Perfect. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Healthy Living. I'm Chef AJ, and I make healthy taste delicious.